Thank you for listening, and we hope this message will strengthen and help you in your walk with God. If you have your Bibles with you, open them with me to Matthew chapter 28. And I realize that many of us study the Word of God differently now because we have different ways of finding the Word of God, sometimes on iPads, sometimes on iPhones. But let me encourage you while you're looking at scriptures on your iPad or your iPhone, maybe you need to turn off social media for this hour and let God have your full attention. Would that be okay? Matthew chapter 28, now after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake. This was the second earthquake that was described in Jesus's Uh, crucifixion and his resurrection because as Vicky said the first earthquake was in Matthew 27 54 and says the earth quaked upon Jesus dissension into the earth and so why is that well the Bible said and Jesus said this self said he said this himself if you don't praise me the rocks will cry out and I really believe that when Jesus was crucified as he said and when he died As he said, just like it was Jonah was in the whale for three days, so I will be in the belly of the earth for three days. I believe when Jesus died and he descended into the belly of the earth, the rocks split open and bowed down to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And when he ascended with the keys to death, hell, and the grave, with the authority of all power over the power of the enemy to give to you and me, again, the earth opened up and bowed again to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords. And so they went to see the tomb, and they were there. I mean, you know, timing's everything sometimes, folks. And they were there just at the right time that Jesus' spirit came out of the earth and went back into his body, and he and the Holy Spirit completely redeemed and restored that body that was beaten to a pulp on the cross for yours and mine sin. He was in his celestial body. He was in his glorified body. He was in his natural body, all at the same time. And what's so amazing about Jesus is that most people don't realize this, but when Jesus refers to himself as a son of man, what a lot of people don't understand is that he's at the right hand of the Father making intercession for us. What part of Jesus is at the right hand of the Father? His spirit? Yes, His body, yes. The Son of Man, the flesh of man, is now in the Godhead. Isn't that awesome? Making intercession for you and me as a representative of us on this earth. And that's where Jesus is at right now. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came down and rolled back the stone from the door and sat on it. His countenance was like lightning. His clothing was white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. But the angel answered and said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he has risen. And he said, Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples. Mark's gospel says, Go quickly and tell the disciples and also tell Peter, that he is risen from the dead, and indeed he is gone before you in Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. 
So they went out quickly from the tomb with the fear of great joy and ran to bring his disciples' word. And they went to tell his disciples, Behold, Jesus met them, saying, Rejoice! So they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go tell my brethren to go to Galilee, and there they will see me. And so it's so awesome that today and every day, and this is what you know, our faith tenets are all about. This is our Christian foundation, is that he was crucified, he was buried, he was dead for three days, but yet God raised him from the dead. And because God raised him from the dead, we have these benefits in our lives. The resurrection gives us the assurance that sin has no stronghold in our lives. You know, you don't have to sin anymore because he's overcome sin. We can have a personal relationship with God. The resurrection of Jesus Christ lets us know that Jesus was a sacrifice for our sin, and that sacrifice was acceptable to God. Why is that? Because this was at the same time that the Jews were celebrating Passover, and the Passover lamb was the blood, was so that the angel of death could pass over the Jews at that particular time when they were in bondage to Egypt. And yet all those who had put the blood over their doorposts, knowing that Jesus is the door, he is the way, and he is the truth, and no one comes unto the Father except through him. That same blood of Jesus was more powerful than that lamb, and he was the Passover lamb. John the Baptist said in John 1.29, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so his blood was shed so that we could go through the very door. He himself said, I am the door, I am the way, and I am the life. It was not without the shedding of blood that there was no remissions of sin. Matthew 26, 28, Jesus said this himself, for this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many for the remissions of sin. Remissions of sin is not just saying, you know what, you're forgiven. It's removing it to a place as if you never had sin in your life ever before. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22 says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. The resurrection proves that we have been forgiven. The Word of God tells us His mercy is new every morning. The Word of God tells us that we're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new again. You're just like Adam and Eve was in the garden before sin ever then. You have been forgiven. John 20, verses 15 through 17, Peter was forgiven. This is why Jesus said in the Gospel of Mark, go tell my disciples and Peter. Peter had a great guilt uh, working in his own soul. He had a great burden on his life because he had denied Jesus. But what a lot of people don't understand is that all the disciples fled except for John. All of them left. All of them went somewhere. All of them got scared. All of them were afraid. All of them were uncertain. And you know, the beautiful thing about that is that even though you may go through uncertain times in your own life, Jesus said, I'm still here for you. Amen. I'll never leave you. I will never forsake you. His mercy's new every morning. You go to bed with mercy and you wake up with mercy. You are covered by the very mercy of God. We have been forgiven. And Jesus had to tell Peter, Peter, you have been forgiven. 
Whosoever sins he forgives are forgiven. They are wiped out. The resurrection empowers us to put the past behind us. Isaiah 43, 18 says this, forget the former things, nor consider the things of old, for behold, I shall do a new thing. God can't do a new thing if you can't let go of the past. Make that decision right now. Let God do that work of restoration in your own heart. Let God do that work of forgiveness. Let God do that work of putting the past behind you. Paul said, this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. Paul said he was a chief sinner. After all, he did have Christians murdered for their faith until he had that great experience of encountering Jesus himself on the road to Damascus. And so Paul was converted, but Paul had a lot of guilt he had to deal with too. He had to think, think those thoughts of, I had the same people who brought this gospel to me crucified, but yet God forgave him. And we need to put the past behind us. Forget the former things, for, and, and no, nor consider the things of old. For behold, I do a new thing. Shall you not know it? Shall it not spring forth? I will even, if I have to, I will even make rivers in the desert. I'll make the crooked way straight. I'll get you on path. For the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. My plans of you are thoughts of good and not evil. I have a plan of a future for you, not a, uh, a plan of devastation for you. It's God's plan that you walk in the blessings of God, that you experience the kingdom of God like never before, that you experience heaven on earth. Pastor, do you really believe God wants us to experience heaven on earth? And the prayer that we all grew up with is, give us this day our daily bread, forgive us our sins, for thine is the kingdom, thine is the glory, and thine is the power forever. That's the prayer that God had us to pray. He said, you know, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus didn't ask us to pray that prayer or give us a model prayer so that we have, could waste good air. He gave us that prayer so that as we begin to proclaim the kingdom of God has come, the will of God be done on earth as it is in heaven. God wants you to experience heaven on earth. Why? Because you have been forgiven. You have been put in right standing with him. That's what the resurrection does. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He made him who knew no sin. Jesus became sin. Jesus suffered on the cross because of our sin. He who knew no sin to be sin for us that we may become the righteousness of God. God is saying, listen, it doesn't matter where you've been. All that matters is where you're going, and I have a future for you. And I put you in right standing with me because of your faith in Jesus Christ. He even said about Abraham, because you believe my promises and imputed to him righteousness. He did not hold against Abraham his unrighteous acts, his sin, because Abraham said, I choose to believe God's word. And when you choose to believe God's word above all things, you choose to come to God, you choose to believe him above all things, God says, I will account it to you as righteousness. What is righteousness? Righteousness is knowing that you're in right standing with God. Righteous is knowing that you have these unalienable rights given to you by God, only by God himself. It says in Isaiah 54, 17, that no weapons formed against you shall prosper. You'll prize up and you will prove them wrong. For this is your heritage. This is your inheritance. This is your gift from God. This is what God wants you to know, that he has given you the right to rise above what the world says is going, going, going to happen in your life. To rise 
above against the negative things that have been spoken to you. To rise up above, you know, the mindset that the enemy has tried to, you know, put into your, your own soul about who you think you were or who you think you're going to be. You have the right to overcome and condemn these thoughts and these negative words spoken over you. For this is your heritage to servants of the Lord. And then it goes on and says, and their righteousness comes from me. And so when the enemy comes and says, who gave you the right to believe that? God did. Who put you in right standing? God did. Listen, Mr. Devil, if you have a problem, take it up with him because I know he defeated you in heaven. He defeated you on earth and he ascended to hell and he stripped you of all your authority, took from you the keys of hell, death, and the grave, and he gave them to me. If you have a problem with my rights, just take it up with the one who's defeated you in every realm that you've ever existed in because he put you under my, his feet and I'm in him and he's in me. You are now under my feet and I don't have to listen to your rhetoric anymore. Glory to God. I don't have to listen to this stuff. I've been forgiven and that's what the resurrection has done for me. I've been put in right standing with God. And not only am I in right standing with God, but Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and to give it to you abundantly. And that word life is Zoe life. I've come to reinstate to you the privilege that you can experience God's life, God's blessing here on this life, on this earth. And not only do you, can you experience, but I'm going to give it to you abundantly, which means without measure. In other words, you can experience day in and day out. You can experience all day long. You can experience it all week long. You can experience it all year long because God says, I want to baptize you in my very presence so you can experience my goodness. For this is a year of the unprecedented outpouring of the goodness of God. This is a year, an intentional year, a doable year, a year that you can experience all all the blessing of the Lord and all his promises be to be yes and amen. So that's what the resurrection does. The resurrection also allows us to be able to experience the life of God. The resurrection also allows us to experience the healing power of God. Romans 8, 11 says, But if the same Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you and quickens, will quicken your mortal body, will give life to your mortal body. That same spirit that raised that beaten body to a pulp. In fact, the Bible says that he was so beaten that he was unrecognizable by man. He just looked like a figure of flesh, a blood and flesh is what he looked like, all curled up because of cramps, all curled up because of every disease known to mankind, every disease ever known to mankind, because he's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. All that was upon him when he was wrapped in those linen cloths and put into the tomb. But yet that same spirit that restored his body is living in you now. That same spirit can take that strand of DNA that God actually created in you and recreate you and restore you. That same spirit can cause you to live again. In fact, that same spirit brings healing power into your life. You know, many times when I'm praying, you know, and I'm trying, I need to overcome some challenges in my own body, I just lay my hands on my stomach and I say, Spirit of God, rise up. Rise up and quicken my mortal body. The resurrection guarantees healing for us, for he's given the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. The resurrection says that he's always there for you. 
Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 says, Let your conversations be without covenants, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I'll never leave you, nor will I forsake you. He will change your identity. He will cause you to, he will cause the insecurity to melt away of you not being good enough, feeling like you're not qualified. He will qualify you. He is always there for you. He is a father who can encourage you and strengthen you. He is the same God who said, I created you and I have a purpose for your life. Many of us, you know, may have daddy issues. Many of us may have issues with our natural fathers, and we can justify and say our fathers didn't know how to be good fathers, or maybe they weren't there because they are people of flesh when we mostly need them. Or maybe there was something in uh, their history that caused them to, you know, uh, cause us to be insecure with our lives. Well, I'm here to tell you that he'll be a father to you and melt every insecurity away from you, every doubt of who you've been created to be. In fact, because of the resurrection, we can have times of refreshing. In Acts chapter 3, verse 19, it says, repent. You know, a lot of people don't like that word repent. You know, it has had kind of a negative connotation on it. You know, what do I need to repent for? You think I'm a bad person? No, that's not what God's saying. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, all you that are weary, I will give you rest. That's what repentance is. In the Old Testament, you don't see the word repent. What you see is God saying, and when you turn away from me and you turn back to me, that's repentance. That's all repentance is about, is coming back to God. Someone asked me not too long ago, they said, what do I need to do to really get right with God? What do, I've got these issues. I've got these problems, Pastor. I'm, I, I'm, I'm struggling. Why don't you take a moment and just say, God, I want to love you again. That's all you have to do. God, I want to love you. I know sometimes in my prayer life, I'll tell the Lord, Lord, I want to love you like you love me. I remember the first time I prayed that, the enemy said, you think that's possible? I said, all things are possible with God. I have his nature in me. I have his spirit in me. I have his ability in me. Why can't I love God like God loves me? You know, that's a form of repentance, just loving God. Take time to set yourself apart and say, God, I want to make you the priority of your life. I want to honor you in all that I do. That's all it takes. All it takes is you got to start somewhere. And that is just to sit in the presence of God and say, God, I want to love you. I want to come back to you. And that's what repentance is. Repent, therefore, and be converted. You know, when you do the repenting and you come back to God, God will do the changing. Hello, somebody. No, I'm not going to bash anybody for listening to country western music, rock and roll, or whatever else is out there, rap and pop and all that other stuff. I'm, I'm I'm not there to do that, okay? But I will say that when I begin to fall in love with God, my taste for music began to change. You know, I wanted more worship music. I wanted music that honored God. I wanted to be in the presence of God because I found this everlasting acceptance that I never experienced before in my entire life. Yes, my parents loved me. Yes, my brother and sister loved me. Yes, I had friends. But I want to tell you an overwhelming 
acceptance of who I was. I didn't have to change to please somebody. I didn't have to perform to make somebody happy. I can be who I was in the presence of God. And he accepted me. And he began to convert me. He began to change me. He began to put different desires in my heart that I didn't have before. And that's why I believe when it says, delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. I really believe what that means is you begin to go closer to God, draw closer to God. You'll begin to have his desires in your life. That's all it takes. Doesn't take a whole lot. That's why Jesus said, come to me, you who are heavy laden, you who are weary, you who need rest, and you will find rest, or you will find refreshing, as it says here in Acts 3.19. Therefore, repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of God. Are you weary? Are you tired? Do you feel like you're going to just not make it anymore? Get into the presence of God and just begin to worship him. It's so easy to find worship music on your phone today. It's so easy to find worship music on iPad today. God has made it easier for you to worship him than ever before in the history of this world. Find some type of praise song that will just, you know, encourage you and strengthen you and refresh you. Even King Saul, when he was distressed, brought David in to play the, to play the harp. Why? Because it eased that distressing spirit. If you're under stress, enter into the presence of God. This is what the resurrection is for. The resurrection is so that you can have a personal relationship with God. And God desires to have a personal relationship with you. Isn't it something that Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, but Jesus went back to the garden to redeem us from sin? Isn't that incredible when you think about it? Isn't it something that after God clothed Adam and Eve to cover their shame, that Jesus became naked and was crucified on the cross to deliver us from our shame? Isn't it something that Adam and Eve were removed from the garden so they wouldn't eat of the tree of life and live forever in a state of sin? See, a lot of people don't understand this, but when God took them out of the Garden of Eden, it wasn't because he was mad at them. It was because he said, unless they eat of the tree of life and live forever. Well, if they live forever, then they couldn't have received redemption. They would have to live in a state of sin forever. And so his mercy removed them from the garden. But what's even more incredible, that Jesus hung on a tree so that we could live with him forever. Though the garden of Eden may have not been given to us in a physical uh, nature, It was given to us in this sense called the kingdom of God. And that's why Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. What is the kingdom of God? Romans tells us the kingdom of God is not meat or drink, but righteousness. Knowing that you're in right standing with God. Isn't it a wonderful feeling when you lay your head down at night, if something were to happen, you know you'd be in the presence of God? Isn't that a great feeling knowing that you have the right to operate in the authority that Jesus gave each and every one of us? Isn't it wonderful to know that you have a right to be an overcomer in this life? Isn't it wonderful to know that you have the right that you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you? Isn't it wonderful to know that you have the right to receive healing? Isn't it wonderful to know that you have the right to prosper and be blessed? Isn't it wonderful to know that you have the right to be called by the name of God as his own very child? his very own child. Isn't that wonderful to know that? Because he put you in right standing 
with him. That's what the resurrection has done for you. That's what the resurrection has done for me. And so the, the, the last thing I want to share with you about what the resurrection has provided for you and me is this, and that is a personal relationship with God. You can walk with him just like Adam and Eve walked in the garden with the Lord. You can hear his voice. It's so easy to hear God's voice. Just remove some of the distractions from that around you and just say, Lord, I want to hear your voice. He'll begin to speak to you. He'll begin to guide you. He'll begin to lead you. He'll begin to pour out an endless amount of love for you. He'll begin to accept you in, in a way that you've never been accepted before. John 3, verses 15, we always quote 16, but I want to share verse 15 with you here real quick. Jesus was saying here in verse 14, as Moses lifted up the serpent of the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Well, to give you an explanation, what happened was when the children of Israel were in disobedience to God in the wilderness, uh, these little snakes came in and began to bite them and, and, and cause sickness in their life. And so Moses asked the Lord what to do, and he said, make a serpent of this particular uh, or make a, a bronze statue of this particular serpent and put it on a pole. And every time people look up to it, they'll be healed of this being snake bit. And Jesus said, just like that serpent, that bronze serpent, I must be lifted up. As you begin to look upon Jesus, the sting of disappointments, the challenges of discouragement, the stress of life will all begin to fade away because you're looking unto him. And that's why Jesus said, just like it was with Moses, lift up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And then he went on to say, for God so loved, let me just put your name in there, you. He so loved you that he gave his only begotten son. He turned him over to all the powers of the darkness, knowing that his pure life would defeat the powers of darkness. He turned him over to all the sickness and disease that was in the world, knowing that he was going to overcome the sicknesses and the disease that are in the world. He turned him over to all the grief and all the sorrows and all the shame that you can experience in humanity, knowing that he can overcome that grief, that sorrow, and that shame, so that you can be delivered from all the disappointments that humanity could ever throw at you. He gave his only son, his begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What is this everlasting life? What is this eternal life? In John 17, 3, Jesus answered that question by saying this, this is what eternal life is, to know the one and true God. It doesn't have to be a mystery. You don't have to think and say, well, you know, you know, the mysterious things belong to God. The secret things belong to God. You know what? God said, I'll reveal them to my servants before I do anything. You can be a servant of God. You can be a child of God. You can be a person who knows God and walks with God. Why? Because he lives. He doesn't live because we can celebrate Easter. He doesn't live so that we can celebrate Christmas. He lives so that he can have a personal relationship with you.
It's easy to hear from God sometimes when we're in a corporate you know, situation. God's moving, the prophet speaks, the man of God says something about what the Spirit of the Lord's saying, but you know what? God wants to whisper something into your ear. And I have a feeling it's gonna go something like this. You're the apple of my eye. You're so precious. I love you so much. You're everything to me. There's not anything that I wouldn't give to you, my sweet child. I believe that's what he began to whisper into your ear. Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I am, I did for you. I have a feeling God would whisper to you, I want nothing but the best for you. I want nothing but the very best for you. I have a feeling that's what God would be whispering in your ear if we would just open up our hearts to him. So you can have that personal relationship. You can know God. You can walk with God. You can hear from God. Sometimes we complicate hearing from God. Well, I didn't hear, I didn't hear a voice. The earth didn't shake, you know. The trees didn't rattle, you know. God doesn't have to speak to you that way. And even though when Elijah, in his lowest point of his life, maybe he was dealing with some type of mental challenge of de depression or discouragement, God came and the rocks, the wind hit the rocks and they, they, they crumbled, you know, and other things happened. And God said, I was in that, but I was in that. But he said, but you know what? It's my still, small voice I want you to hear. It's that leading on the inside, that knowing on the inside what is the right thing to do, what is the right thing to say, where is the right place to be, where is the right place to drive. I know just the other day I went a different direction, and I just felt led to go a different direction. I just felt, you know, I didn't hear a voice. My son, come. There's danger ahead, so turn right here. I didn't hear that, but I sensed something in my spirit. You know, go a different way. I don't know if there was a wreck. I don't know if I would have been in a wreck. I have no idea, but I know I obeyed God. I know he's there to keep me, to protect me, and to watch over me like I'm his favorite child. And just so happens I am. I am his favorite child, but you should have that same attitude because that's the kind of relationship God wants for you. This is what the resurrection has done for you and me. Thank you for listening today. We believe God's word is what will sustain us in any situation in our lives. For more information, please visit us at familywc.org or you can download the app. Look for us as FWC Como. Until the next time. Remember, you are God's best.